1: Hello there, the Matchball30 brought to you by Levi Solicitors. 10% off your legal fees when you go to levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. My name's Dan Moylan, hello to you. And I'm joined by Michael Normanton. Hello. And Moscow White. Daniel Chapman. Hello. The 30th anniversary of Wimbledon coming to Ellen Road and Leeds United in absolutely sparkling form. Now, I've lost count of how many games we are unbeaten. It goes all the way back to October. We're going to win the league. And what a game to sparkling. in. Two teams that love to get it down and play football. You remember the terrible conditions of the Chelsea game just a few short days ago, and uh, the Ellen Road pitch hasn't miraculously healed. There are big, what you might describe as World War One trenches in each goal mouth, sort of sandy, muddy affairs.
2: Sand was healing for pitches, wasn't it, in those days? You didn't need grass on it. If you really wanted to be fancy, you could roll your sand. That's what people used to do. If it was if there was too much, just make it flat at the beginning. Like um, if you're at Robin Hood's Bay or something, the tide goes out and the sands are lovely and flat. Just make it like that. Lovely. So this isn't too bad. And compared to the pitch of the Chelsea game, it's fairly
1: free-flowing. Not that it matters. The lineups for today's clash then. Leeds United, John Lukic in goal, Mel Sterling, Glyn Snodding, Chris Verkluff, Chris White, you're back four. Strack and McAllister, speed and batty across midfield with Schutt and Chapman up front with Sir Michael Whitlow, fresh off that spectacular Chelsea goal. He's got that one in his locker. He's up in his game even more and he's joined on
3: the bench by John Pearson. And he was right, wasn't he? He said he wouldn't be able to, uh, he couldn't justify a starting place on the back of that. I'm sure they probably had a big discussion and Whitlow will have said, no, let Glynn have the game. Let him have his, his appearance bonus. If you need me, I'll be on the bench waiting.
2: You know he's on the bench as well. It's like a, it's a nuclear deterrent, isn't it? It's like, we don't want to have to use this, but he's, look, it's up to you. We'll bring him on with 10 minutes to go if you let us win. If not, he's going to be on half time.
1: For Wimbledon, then Hans Sager's in goal. we got Roger Joseph, Terry Phelan returning to uh, to Elm Road, Warren Barton, Dean Blackwell, Keith Curl, Paul McGee, Laurie Sanchez, John Fashnu, John Scales, who's surely going to sign for us one day, and Gary Elkins completing the 11. And there's subs: Krasinski and Alan Cork, who must have only been about 50 or 60 at this point. Was he with Beard at this point? There was never a decent close-up of him, was
2: there?
3: I don't think he had the the Beard. I think the Beard was grown as a... So it was a Sheffield United thing. He was on some sort of scoring run. And he he wouldn't shave until he either scored or didn't score. But no, he was just um, in the midst of his 430 games for Wimbledon at this point. And yeah, impossible to age him. I'm basically a veteran from the day he was born.
1: He wasn't necessarily the centre of the battle today. The battle likely to be won and lost around John Fashion, who is their big pre-match
3: threat.
2: And just a, a threat to everything, I think. All that is safe in the world.
3: He's been in good scoring form. He's got 10 goals so far this season, six in the last five games. Wilkinson predicted, um, obviously he was asked how much threat he would be and, you know, what will Chris White and Chris Fairclough be able to do to stop him scoring and he predicted that the battle would be interesting.
1: Had who done Gladiators by this point? No was, no. was his eye off the ball?
3: He was A wooger, uh, a wooger, a all that. He's pure football here.
2: Well, you say football. <laughs> He's a fan of physical violence, more yeah. so than football. I'm pretty. I mean, we'll get onto the the game in a little bit, but I'm pretty sure he punches Chris White in the side of the head at one point mm. when Chris Chris White sort of steps across him as they're going for the ball, and rather than try and bundle him out of the way, I think he just takes a swing at him. And then in the second half, he does elbow him straight in the head as well.
3: Yeah, both I think were given us free kicks against Chris White <laughs> from memory. Certainly, the first one he is believed to have or accused of having provoked. John you into punching him in the side of the head. I mean, it is
2: an obstruction first and foremost. And mm. the first defence is is from Chris White, but you don't often see it that you get a right hook for that.
3: I mean, it is a bit of an education, this game. Wimbledon kind of, in retrospect, are those um, clucky upstarts. And it's a nice romantic story that they came up through the divisions. And certainly Wimbledon now, you know, you wouldn't wish what happened to them with the club being stolen by and sent to Milton Keynes without them. Could have happened on to anybody, but fucking horrible. <laughs> People who didn't really experience Wimbledon first time round
1: won't be aware of just how strange they were as a club. They kind of they were tiny, weren't they? I mean, there are some like small clubs have made it up to the Premier League, when you think of like Bournemouth with a small stadium and getting you know attendances of, of ten thousand or whatever. But Wimbledon were, I mean, like even smaller than that. They were kind of weird that they didn't have any fans. I struggled to understand Wimbledon when I was
2: first getting into football because they were the weird club that would turn about on road and sell out about a third of the cheese wedge and you'd be like what's the deal with them like why don't they have anyone coming to see them and then you'd occasionally see their attendances on TV and they were playing at Crystal Palace which was weird and there'd be 7,000 there and you think why? You're both scoring a hat-trick there surely there should be more people in to watch this even if it's Leeds
3: fans. They came up well, so rapidly from non-league and then they turned that into a virtue so most clubs like you talked about Bournemouth, then to a certain extent, you know, they modernized. I know that they built a new training ground, at least. I don't know if there's much they can do about the, the stadium at Bournemouth, but I think they had plans for a new one. All that sort of Wimbledon never fucking bothered. They turned the fact that it was a, a shithole and a horrible place to go into a virtue. So you, you had first division players going to Plough Lane and they're going to a non league standard stadium. And that was the whole thing. It's like you just have to fucking deal with it. And it's fair enough in, in one way, but then you do see the way they play in this game at, at Elland Road. And it reminds you, I mean, I think the the uber John Fashnew moment is when he, he smashed Gary Mabbott's cheekbone all over his face for absolutely no reason at all. And it was just kind of standard. And the level of um, just off-the-ball violence <laughs> is... Um, is extraordinary, really.
2: Within the opening seconds of this, Sanchez has crunched Batty, and obviously his Batty, so he doesn't really give a shit, but it's a tackle that is probably a red card these days. Certainly, it's a definite yellow. There are lots of, almost certainly, a, a yellow borderline red tackles in this, most of which are just brushed off. Like, ah, oh, well, you've got to let him have one, haven't you?
1: Just going back to the fans, I mean, I don't know for sure if it was this game or not, but I have somewhere in the recesses of my memory of, obviously, the chant of, You must have come in a taxi. It was always the one that you sang to the Wimbledon fans. But there was one year, whether it was this, whether it was sometime previous, I don't know. You must have come on a skateboard. was a chant that came out of the Cop at Ellen Road, which was great. But we started well. We were a 1-0 up inside 10 minutes. And it's Chapman. And there's some really nice little moments in the build-up for this. Chapman played by Mark Viduka
2: for this this first goal. A lovely header into the box. Then it's a, a drag back. Wrong foots the defender. Admittedly, the defender is sold quite easily but then just curls it into the far
1: corner. But before that, Strachan out on the right touchline kills it dead with the touch of Jack Harrison, old pillow feet there. And there's a back heel there in the build-up.
3: It's a beautiful goal and it's early as well. And we've spoken already about how Leeds like to hammer teams fast and early and take the lead as soon as they can. And it's really necessary in this game because you don't want to get into You can immediately see from the way Wimbledon was just bombing the ball at John Fashnew and John Fashnew's bombing his arms into Chris White's face you don't want to get drawn into that you need the goal and to score it with such style as well it's Chapman's left foot as well and I mean the turn the drag back and turn is Viduka like it's Cruyff like it does seem to take him about 20 minutes (laughs) Um, but that's you know that that's how bad the Wimbledon defenders were I'm not sure if it was Keith Curl who was um on him at this point or if it was um Dean Blackwell, they had Warren Barton as well. And John Scales too. These are all players who went on to other clubs and had sort of respectable careers. So credit to Lee Chapman for making them all look like absolute chumps. It's a great goal. And yet out of the blocks, Howard
1: Wilkinson's style, as you were saying there, Moscow, the idea was that we came at teams for the opening 20 and try and get these games won. And it was working 15 minutes on the clock. So just five minutes after that opener and we're 2-0. Gary Speed, I mean... This one, the sublime football, the build-up, the uh, just the vision for this to to unfold as it did. You just sit back and, and I am being sarcastic. Yes, what happens? We can say vision, can't we? It's a very long but good kick from Lukic. Well, I'm not. Who, who has the assist?
2: It's John Lukic, uh, and he assists Gary Speed. There you go. <laughs> that's that's fine, isn't it? It's how does it tell exactly what happens here because it's Joseph is the fullback that speeds up against, and we just see him getting in a tangle and falling in a heap. But from that point on, it's very good from Gary Speed. It's a nice. A graceful bit of control and then a very nonchalant finish. They just just flick it with
3: the outside of his left foot into the corner through the World War One trench as well. He had to contend with that. Should stress, you know, he's taken that ball on his chest. It has travelled about 80 yards off Lukic's foot. And Lukic, you know, he's got a, a good hard long kick on him. And it's like beating Wimbledon at their own game. Their game is those massive long balls up to fashion you. And they hardly reach him. They keep just booting the ball forward in this game and fashion you kind of watches the ball land 30 yards away like a, a, a mistimed grenade or something. It's like, well, I'm not over there. I'm over here. Whereas when we do it, it's Gary's speed. He's controlling it on his chest on the run, taking it into the, the penalty area in one movement and a really cool, calm finish past Hans Sagers. And Don Waters in the Yorkshire Evening Post does draw attention to the evolution
1: of Leeds United because he's saying this game is, is a bit more industrial in its stylings um, because Howard Wilkinson's team used to be more direct last season, i.e. the promotion season, whereas they've refined it this season into into more footballing terms and um, more beautiful. But on this day, we've had the wintry weather against Chelsea. It wasn't great again today. Depths of winter. Pitch is not great.
3: Well, what do you do? You you do the simple things and you're doing well. It's actually a game where we've brought in Gary McAllister to replace Vinnie Jones because... Vinny just assumed it's never going to play. We've got the new tactics in um, Division 2. It was all about get the ball forward first to Ian Baird and then Lee Chapman get it down and then play around the box and on the right wing specifically where Scracken was because that's where the grass was, whether it was at Elland Road or anywhere else. Generally now there's grass all over the pitch and certainly if you go to Goodison Park or Old Trafford you'll get a lot of grass. So you might as well have Gary McCullough in midfield so you can play through that way. If we still had Vinny Jones as an option, I wonder if McAllister would have played in this game. You could have left him out, stick Vinny in there against his old team and just do what we do, not try to play over the the trenches in the middle or through the trenches, but get it long, get it to where the grass is on the, the wings and in the penalty area and use our skill there instead of trying to be intricate. And it's always, it's a good sign when a team can do both. Whereas Wimbledon, I mean, there's not much prospect of Wimbledon with this team if we'd played them on you know, on a a carpet thinking, oh, well, yeah, well, we'll," Laurie Sanchez can try and dictate with some searching through balls towards John Fashion. You, It's just never, never going to happen. Whereas you can do that with Lee Chapman, as we've seen.
0: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's, a, it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a sleep number store or sleepnumber.com.
1: To continue the theme that we were on about there, about the dominance in the first half, this game should be well put to bed. If it's not already, we are totally dominant in that first half.
2: It should have been to bed on 25 minutes or so when Chapman had a goal disallowed, which I'm pretty sure he was on side for. It's one that these days they'd probably have lines drawn to. To check it, but he, he looks level to me, and that should have been 3 0 with half an hour gone. But instead, we've scored just before half time in another corner.
3: Another for Sterland. Third in a week. He's doing well. Fourth in five games. He's got a, almost as good a record as John Fashnew, just fewer injuries um, inflicted. Yeah, near post corner, white flicks on. And I think at some point, you'll think other teams will wise up and they'll mark Mel Sterland, but the Um, If they can't stop Chris White flicking on it at the near post, I guess they've got no hope of stopping Mel and just arriving and crashing the the ball into the net with his head from a yard. It's pretty funny because
1: through 2020 eyes, this is the type of goal that Bielsa's side is routinely conceding at the minute. But you see Wilkinson's side do it, that corner to the near post. And when White flicks it on, it is just your basic near post, backwards head of flick on, isn't it? And then just put it in in the middle and there's to
3: to tuck it home. Very straightforward. I think it says something about focus as well, because Wimbledon, the size of Wimbledon and the style of them is they should be the archetypal team that can defend set pieces. But because Leeds train them so much and are so well-practiced at them, we can beat them just as easily as as anything else that we do. So it's a really useful weapon. It has gone out of fashion a, a little bit and certainly Bielsa doesn't believe in it. But to be able to just win a corner and have a really good chance of scoring from it, no matter... Who the the team you're up against is is a, a useful weapon and it kills this game off effectively. So it's three 0 right on the stroke of half time,
1: They kick off and then it, it the halftime whistle goes and a little bit like the Chelsea match, we see them come into it a little bit more in the second half. But thankfully, no goals to talk of. They have
2: a little push for it, don't they, in the first twenty minutes, half an hour of this, and then for the last twenty minutes they just think, ah, oh, this is this is done now. We're not going to score and it, we do kind of grind them down with a little bit of luck along the way. They. They hit the bar with what's an absolutely ridiculous shot from the kind of left corner of the 18-yard box and Fashnou hits one that looks like it's gone in, but it's hit the post behind the goal. And there were definitely some scares there and we've lost that dominance of the first half where in truth, they didn't have a kick. Well, I mean, they did have the odd kick, but it was mainly at us or over the top of midfield.
1: Chris Fairclough's head. There was, there's a weird chaos to what Wimbledon did. I mean, can you explain it maybe for somebody who wasn't old enough to have seen them just what, their approach was because it, it, you see it through modernising and it looks mad. It's absolutely mental.
2: It is an odd game to watch for the lack of, of anything in midfield like from us as well because we aren't particularly trying to play our way through it. It is just a, a ball from the back. The only passing around they do at the back is setting up someone who's in a better position to kick it really long. Like if someone's under a bit of pressure they won't put it out of play. They will instead square it to someone who has a bit more time to take those three steps forward and absolutely twat it at John Fashnew's head. And normally there's a bit of chaos that comes off the back of it. And, you know, bringing out Alan, Alan Cork and who that's just two of the same player, more or less.
3: I think it's interesting the way we took them on at their own game in this one because we've not seen it in much of the first division so far, but Carl um, Schutz in the first half and then Chris White, who is up, I think it's after a set piece in the second half, both try to stop Hans Sega's kicking from hands. It's bizarre in a, a way because we saw in the promotion season when Bobby Davison um, and Lee Chapman kept doing it. to Simon Tracy of Sheffield United in the four 0 game until he eventually cracked. And um, and the referee said that was we got a penalty because Simon Tracy after hitting Bobby Davison with his clearance chased after him and dragged him to the ground and then had a, a massive tantrum. But here, I think I'm sure it's short in the first half and then definitely white in the second. They're not close to Sagers, and the, he just hits the ball at them, and the referee. Gives a free kick and says, "No, the Leeds players can't do that." But there's not foul. There's nothing happens, but it's not something we were doing against Scum. It's not something we were doing against Everton and Neville Southall. We've definitely decided to to mix it. Like if Wimbledon are going to come and play their way, we did that all season in in Division Two and we did it better. So we'll just we'll just revert a little bit and really get in their faces and wind them up. And that's all um, Wimbledon really had with that surge in the start of the second half I'm sure at half time it will have been a case of 17 fans have come to see you play they've got a long journey home go and show some pride and so they have a bit of fight and scrap but but they're fucking rubbish
1: YEP man of the match is Gary Speed would you go along with that?
3: Yeah he's great
2: in this and because he, he does match them for all the physical aspects as good as they are in the air Speed's better and then when he gets the ball he can also bring it down on his chest and stick it in the corner and make them look like idiots which Alan Cork would not be able
1: to do. We did have another appearance from your golden boy, Moscow.
3: Yeah, Wits came on just to uh, calm things down a little bit when um, it looked like Wimbledon. You know, you didn't want them to nick a goal. We wanted to keep a clean sheet. So um, he came on for snodding, I think, didn't he? So he was in his natural uh, left-back position. And um, another fine appearance, running um, speed close for for player of the match. But I think it's just purely in terms of um, time on the pitch, you'd probably have to say speed edged it.
2: I thought White did very well as well because it was a ridiculously physical game against Fashionew, and he didn't. Other than the one shot that Fashion had from about twenty-five yards, he didn't particularly give him any chances.
3: It is um, it's hard to sort of overstate just how awful Fashionew is <laughs> as a as a style of of player because his if you were to compare him to Chapman, like Chapman will win some headers and he won't win some others. Fashion you will win some headers and he won't win some others. And if he doesn't win it, he'll turn around and he'll fucking deck you. And that's it's like that threat is always there. And there's the one where White is kind of in a just a 50 50 tussle, chasing a, a loose ball in the corner and shoulder to shoulder. And suddenly he just gets absolutely walloped in the face. And it's just, it's, it's not football as it should be.
1: It's like just not cricket,
3: is it's it? It's not. It's just, you can't, you can't have player on the pitch who is just randomly violent
2: <laughs> there is a level of physicality to the just this era of football which is hard to watch through modern eyes but Fashion Who does stand out as being like dangerously physical with things like you you can't just punch someone in the side of the head because they've run in front of you like, it's, it's
1: just not allowed and going back to Fashion Who for a bit of social context and again you wince viewing this through 2020 eyes the songs directed at him but obviously about his brother who was at that time, the only openly gay footballer. I mean, t- to be fair, we don't have many, if any, openly gay footballers. Still, thirty years on, which perhaps gives us a little indication as to why work still needs to be done.
3: Yeah, all John Fash had to be had to do was be related to uh, have a gay brother, and he's a, a target for abuse. So that's kind of um, an indication of how what the default setting always has been. And um, and you know, you say it's a long time ago, but the the players are. Around from this era, who were still pundits and um, still managers, so it's not like this is there's been a clean break of ancient history. Everybody's kind of received history of and imagination of of what it's like if there is a um, a gay footballer in the first division or a brother of a gay footballer in the first division. This is the the last memory you have, and it's um, not pleasant, but not unusual. It's not unique to road It's just um, it's. Noticeable, you can't avoid hearing it on the um, on the the match.
1: But fashion, who should have been singled out for his absolutely brutal approach to football and not anything else, but that's by the by. Thankfully, at least we can look back on it thirty years on and, and be a little bit wiser for the experience. And that is good for us. Is that result very, very good for us? It puts us in a really, really strong position now, cementing our place in the top four. So, from the top of the table downwards, we've got everybody having played twenty games as of this weekend. Arsenal at the top who've won 13, drawn 7, still not lost any, uh, scored 40 and only conceded 10, which is just a remarkable record for over half a season. 46 points. And uh, they've had points deducted as well because of the Liverpool, um, because of the Man United fracas, haven't they? Uh, And then we've got Liverpool just beneath them on
3: 45. They were Uh, never going to lose, were they, at one point, Liverpool? Look at them now. Just lost this weekend while we were beating Wimbledon the next day. Mm. On the telly too. Well,
1: they lost to Crystal Palace, who are sat in third position now on 42 points. So just the three behind Liverpool who looked like they were out of sight. Is Crystal Palace going to win the league? Yes, definitely. I was just going to say on the coattails of Palace is us on 39 points. So just another three points back. We've only conceded 18 goals and we've scored 36. So whilst we're lauding um, Arsenal's record, it's not quite George Graham levels, but we are still plus 18 in terms of goals, which is the third best in the division behind Arsenal and Liverpool.
2: And we've done most of it with an ever-changing left-back or people playing left-back who aren't left-backs.
3: And with a a second division team. There's only White, McAllister and Lukic who've been added and they have been significant. That is kind of a spine of the the team, but it's the the lads who've got us up have now got us up to fourth and an incredible turnaround from, I don't know if we expected to be this high and to be this close to the top. And there's a six-point gap,
1: crucially now, to fifth position, which is Spurs. And they've lost three 0 at Southampton uh, today. And beneath them, Man United on thirty three, as well as Tottenham, Man City on thirty two, down to Chelsea, Forest, and Norwich, completing the uh, the top half of the table. So some interesting results. So Arsenal beating Sheffield United four one today, but Man United drawing at home to
3: Aston Villa one apiece. We've only got Liverpool next, so that'll be fine. That'll be easy. Liverpool, Liverpool, Wimbledon. It's all basically the same. Another first division challenge.
1: But we have rounded off. 1990 in fine style. What a year it's been for the club. It's been absolutely brilliant, hasn't it? Getting promoted finally, getting that monkey off our back. Bournemouth could have maybe had less trouble there, but in terms of the football side of things, a brilliant ascent to the to the top flight and we've really cemented ourselves well in this division. Not sure we can stay up. Would you be uh, betting against us at this <laughs> point?
2: I've walked down to an actual, literal physical bookmakers to put money on us going down.
3: Let's just see how we do at Anfield. I've got a good Good feeling about that. We've we've come through the big test. We should have beaten Spurs. Um, we've been unlucky not to get a, a win out of the two games against Scum. Liverpool are still, although they've lost to Crystal Palace, that's just that little hint that maybe we can we can do them as well, strong as they are. We have every reason to go to Anfield completely confident
1: because we're now 11 games unbeaten in the league, stretching all the way back to third week of October. You've talked me into it, we're going to win 3-0. And that's what, 14 games overall for all of uh, all competitions. And we've got cup competitions coming up, which we will sail through. It's going to be a great 1991. So to 1991 to New Year's Day to Anfield. And we'll join you again on the Matchball 30 for that. The Matchball.
0: Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.